When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. You're the Cubs ended their season taking four of six from the Reds, including all three of their final games at home, home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. If you like the show, leave us a five-star review and a rating so other people can find the show. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs, why you should cheer for the Blue Jays, and more at Bleed Cubby Blue. And as always, I am joined by the one and only Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? Oh. Well, you know, day after season ends, now we got some playoffs to look forward, and we can hate watch the Cardinals. I guess it's it's all Let's we got to watch look Kyle to. Schwarber. I mean, we're going to talk about this. We're going to get into the playoffs. We're going to get into who we're cheering yeah, for and why. Gonna... I actually have a piece dropping at Bleed Cubby Blue later this afternoon that is my my cheering interest for the Wild Card Series. Which, by the way, I tweeted this the other day, like just kind of a joke, like what what I was cheering for and who I was cheering for and why. And the number of people, mostly dudes, who came into my mentions to explain why my cheering interest should be different was wild. Don't do that, people. <laughs> like, when somebody says, these are my interests, just accept that and move yeah. on. Don't tell them why they should do something different. And you could have different interests, and I'll be okay with it. <laughs> you know, like, who cares? I mean, root for the Cardinals for all I care. You know, root, root for the Cardinals just even to, like, put even more pressure on the Cubs. You know, right. like make you, the Cubs win, <laughs> yeah. make the Cubs spend money. Exactly. Make them spend money. So this, this garbage doesn't happen. Like, you know, sometimes like when there's a disaster, like the Cardinals being in the playoffs, like I just kind of root for it to get worse <laughs> just to see what everybody <laughs> does. Cause we, you know, we're friends with all Cubs fans and I know they'll cry about it and it'll be funny to see in a way, but obviously I, I, I will also cheer when they go down hard. If they go down hard. Well, before we get into playoff preview stuff, because we've got a lot of playoff preview stuff to talk about, we'll be talking about the playoffs all month long here at Cup of Cubby Blue Jays is what I'm calling the podcast now. <laughs> we are the Cup of Cubby Blue Jays, at least in, as long as Toronto is still in, in the dance. Let's let's talk about this Cubs team. Uh, they won one of three against the Reds in Cincinnati. Honestly, not the best fundamental baseball that I've ever seen oh. in my life on either side of the ball. But they did manage to, like, absolutely demolish the Reds in the last game of the season. And and the, the big takeaway I saw here as I was watching the Cubs play this Reds team and, you know, they had a great showing at Wrigley for those last three games. It was a lot of fun if you were out in the bleachers watching the Cubs just basically sweep a homestand uh, to, to finish the season at Wrigley. The thing I noticed with the Reds and the Cubs is that, look, the Cubs are not good. 
there's not a lot of hope. Uh, they need to make some big moves to get back to being competitive. The farm system is better than it was, but it's not the farm system that the Cubs had in 2014 or 2015. It's it's more guys who can have an everyday role in MLB, but not really superstar types of guys like a Schwarber or a Bryant or anything like that. And yet the Cubs have so much more hope than the Reds. Like, do the Reds have a plan or a direction or anything they're going to do? Or are they just going to take last place in the division for the foreseeable future? Yeah, I think that is the plan to take last place. I'm looking at my text with uh, my friend Billy DeVore, who was on the, the Rant Around table yesterday. And he wrote this. Uh, he says, you guys have to spend. No one expects us to do anything except develop all the young, new talent and exciting talent we have. He goes, I'm jealous that you get to have excitement going into this offseason. So he's like, they're not going to do anything. But he has been quite happy with the trades that and he's rooting for the Mariners because all the Reds are on the Mariners, <laughs> all, all the teeth, like all the guys like we're our guys, like your Schwarbers <laughs> and stuff. They're like kind of uh, Rizzo kind of strewn throughout the league. Um, you know, William Contreras for the Braves, like there's some Cubs connections here and there. But all the Reds that that you might have rooting interest for are just basically Mariners at this point. So, it's yeah, kind of the funny. The Reds farm system used to be the Mariners farm system. And, and now the Reds former players are Mariners. Yeah, Eugenio and- Suarez, Jesse Winker, Luis Castillo. Castillo yeah. And because Castillo being the big one, because he's been pretty nails, I think, since going over there. I haven't, I mean, I'll admit, I haven't watched a heck of a lot of Mariners games. If I don't think I watched one all year, I might not have watched one in the last three years, to be honest, but you know, there it's cool to when a team that, and, you know, I know we're still trying to talk about the Cubs, but yeah, or even our division. But if you look up and down our division, the only team that made it is the Cardinals. And they're and the players that put them there, um, three of them are probably gone. So three of the main ones being, you know, Pujols, Yachty, and Wainwright. Um, of course, they've got like some first round um a compensatory pick that'll probably come up next year and, and blow everybody's minds. But, um, but yeah, the central being weak, um, you would figure the Cubs could get right back in there. I don't know why we weren't there this year. Seemed like an oversight, but here we are early Seems on. Seems like season. an oversight, an oversight or Jed Hoyer's plan. Like I, <laughs> like this is not an oversight. Jed Hoyer's like, how, how long can I say it's not a rebuild before they force me to spend money? It's like that, that seems to be what Jed Hoyer is doing. I mean, I think that we can talk about the division. It's hard to talk about the future of the Cubs and what we saw uh, with these six games against the Reds without talking about the division. And one of the things that I'm keeping an eye on for next year, we've talked about it on this show before, but I think it's worth mentioning again is the more equalized schedule is just going to make it harder for any wildcard team to come out of the central. Like you cannot be a middling team in the AL central or the NL central and hope that you're going to make it to the playoffs. Cause frankly, the whole division, both sides, both leagues are, is so much worse than what you see in the AL East or the AL West or the NL West or the NL East that like that you're not getting a wild card spot out of the central. It wasn't going to happen this year. That certainly isn't going to happen when you have more games against all of those other teams. Like the Cubs are going to have to play the Astros next year. They're going to have to play the Red Sox. They're going to have to play the Yankees. They're going to have to play the Mariners. They're going to have to play all of these teams instead of just getting to focus on one division. And, and, you know, the years that like 
the central played the central. It was just kind of like, lol. A few years ago, I remember thinking um, that the NL Central was so systemically weak and so much weaker than the other divisions that it was almost like, and and I I use I I know how loaded this word is, and I don't mean it in the loaded sense, but it was almost like all those teams were like, yeah, whatever, like we can just we can just be kind of middling and not really need to spend that much and not need to get that much better. And one of us is going to go to the playoffs. So it'll be fine. <laughs> like, like basically colluding with each other and being like, oh, it's fine. We can, we can be not, we can be not that competitive, but I know that collusion is a loaded word. Well, I mean, let me put it this way. There are four 100 lost teams in the major leagues this year. Uh, and two of them are in the NL central. So uh, there's the 102 lost Oakland A's, which are you like to face them. But that is the only team in the AL that. And so you have to face all these other teams that pretty much did about what you did. I mean, luckily, we get to face the AL Central a bunch next year because they're not they're not a juggernaut either. Um, They just had a they're about what we had. Ninety three wins for St. Louis, 92 wins for uh, the Cleveland guardians. So, but yeah, now we got to face the AL East. You got to face the, you know, they got Seattle with 90 wins this year. I mean, these are, these are good teams and you have to face them all now. So, and they they, don't get me started about the AL West. I, I I don't imagine San Francisco is going to take too much time off of mediocrity or being good. They'll, they're going to try to not be mediocre next year is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, a lot of these teams are gonna are gonna try to rebound faster than the Reds seem to plan on rebounding. I mean, even the Pirates have not done a ton in terms of investing in that team and investing in free agents or anything like that, but they have a lot of young players coming up and they started to promote them, right? Like we're gonna see what O'Neill Cruz can do over a full season. We're gonna yeah. see what this Diego Castillo kid can do like the the pirates are at the point where they're going to be competitive just because they're at that point in their cycle where they're promoting prospects who are interesting um in terms of the cardinals i don't really know what to think of the cardinals man the cardinals always have some guy some some brendan donovan hanging out in the wings waiting to come up and just be a brendan donovan some some lars newbar hovering in the farm system ready to come wreck the cubs hopes and dreams i I feel like the Cardinals uh, AARP tour was exactly as devil bird magic as I ever thought it would be at the resurgence of Albert Pujols to get to 700 and however many home runs he wound up with the, the Cubs giving Pujols and Yachty a per- like, really, did we really need to celebrate Pujols and Yachty in Chicago? We did not. I didn't need that. Nobody needed that like that. Nope. That did not need to happen. They will never do that for the Cubs. Like why, why, why? why <laughs> so many whys oh, i know i know they get, we can't even invite our own players back to to celebrate them yet right let alone our rival players it's like what is going on here and i we had uh dom frederick on the show last night the director of morale on the ranch around table and he had quite a nice little rant that you might want to go and give a listen to he just kind of lost it for a moment i heard his he kind of blew his top and you know what Justified. He just he justifiedly blew his top about honoring Cardinals players at Wrigley Field. Just can't happen. No, can't happen. Um, the Cardinals, luckily, will face off against Kyle Schwarber and the Phillies uh, in the first round. So the rooting interests there are clear. Like, go Kyle Schwarber, go Nick Castellanos. 
beat the devil birds, please. The rest of the country is begging you. Uh, the other team that I want to make sure we talk about a little bit here, though, is the Brewers, because I really thought that the Brewers were going to win this division. I thought that the Brewers had a better team than the Cardinals. I thought that the Brewers had better pieces than the Cardinals. And frankly, not only did they not put that together, but their moves at the trade deadline were so just such a gut punch to trade your closer for a guy who might be kind of like a closer later and some prospects, one of whom you immediately DFA. It's just kind of, I don't know, man. I feel like the Brewers undid whatever postseason hopes they had on their own at the trade deadline. They did, except for that hater went over to the Padres and had a 731 earned run average in 19 games. So, I mean, did they or did they or did they look at this situation and be like, oh, my God, the Padres are, you know, we can do a deal here. Uh, the Padres are going to take this guy off our hands on the on the back end of his career because it, he he lost it. Yeah, he got it back, he, though. Yeah, but he but he lost it from I mean, he lost it against us. No, for sure. But like so Josh As Hader had a really terrible july and august and a really good september october yeah you gave up two two runs let's see are the and one of them wasn't even earned uh and the the last earned run he gave up was on september 5th so it's going to be interesting to see which hater shows up in the playoffs for sure and it is possible that the brewers just thought he was broken and decided to see what they could get for him at that point in time but it does look like whatever fixes they had in store for him in San Diego did come together and, and Josh Hader looks haterish again, which is, which is huge for the Padres, which Padres are one of the teams that I would like to do well in the playoffs. I, I feel kind of bad that they've done all the things that I want teams to do. They've, they have spent money. They have extended young talent. They have gone out and traded for the best players available and they have like nothing to show for it other than a huge bank account and second place in the NL West, which is just like, I don't know. That's disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. And and getting back to the Brewers, they got pretty good performances out of Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. Again, Burns, one of the, I think one of the only few pitchers in the major leagues that hit over 200 innings. What is there? Maybe five pitchers that did that. I I looked it up a little bit ago. It wasn't, the list was very short and elite. Um, But Woodruff with a 305 ERA, Burns with a 294 on the year, um, holding opponents to an average around 200 for both of them. so and also good young pitching like Eric Lauer that uh, came came through for them a decent bullpen with like Devin Williams and they might have thought that Devin Williams was enough at the back end they had Taylor Rogers which didn't really work out that's who they got from the Padres I believe yeah but isn't he younger I think he has extra control I don't even know if it's a, an age thing let me see here I oh, got yeah Josh, he's thirty one Josh Hader's so. twenty eight um so he's definitely not younger no but he's I older think that Taylor Rogers has so Josh Hader hits arbitration next season and becomes a free agent in 2024. Um, no, Taylor Rogers is a free agent in 2023. Yeah, I, I yeah. got nothing. Like they, yeah. they, it was ta- the trade was Confusing. Josh Hader for Taylor yeah. Rogers, Estuary Ruiz, uh, who's like a speed first outfielder, defense guy, not particularly, doesn't really hit the ball very hard. Um, and Denelson Lamette, who I thought was the most interesting part of that whole package right because he's potentially a starter that they would have had control over for a few years and the brewers like to do lots of fun fun 
things with pitching development and they tend to find the next level of guys. I thought that Nelson Lamette was probably the piece that they really needed from that trade. And then they immediately DFA'd Lamette and that was just weird. And I don't understand it. Money probably, which I guess they're just going to rebuild for next year. They must have some plan. I mean, the Brewers have eaten our lunch just as much as we've eaten theirs uh, over the last decade. So they they're doing something pretty well with, uh, with way less of a payroll and with giving away tickets at Subway restaurants and at truck stops. <laughs> so, I mean, they don't even have fans, you know what I mean? But um, but they managed to to pull it out. I always think that there's some like Bud Selig conspiracy in there. Like, it's just, I, you know how like I, I feel like just because of the Cubs failure, I'm like, we can't really just be our fault. We can't suck like this. Like, it's got to be some conspiracy against oh, us. <laughs> they can't just suck, Danny. They can't just suck. I know. I know it's, but it's a tough pill to swallow. So, you know, Um, but yeah, that was a head scratcher. It's confusing why the Brewers, it it doesn't surprise me that they wouldn't add because I don't know that if I was like, let's say next year, the Cubs are in a position that's similar where you could do something like, or we're going to go for a third wild card spot or, or even the second wild card spot. Is that worth giving up your any kind of future for? Like, you're going to start trading from your your prospect list just because you need help right now, or do you want to, you know, maybe not kick the can, but take a chance? And this is this was my fear with uh, the third wild card spot is that teams will use this as an excuse to not make moves at the deadline because they're just going to go in with, with what they got. Why not? Well, because you can get into the playoffs with like an 84 and whatever record. Like Precisely. that's all that's all you need in order to get into the playoffs. I mean, I I hear you in terms of there there's no incentive to be a world-beating team here unless you really really need to win the World Series. If all you care about is postseason appearances, you can get those appearances by just getting yourself a mid-80s type of record and frankly in the NL Central or the AL Central, I mean, any, it almost seems like anybody can do that, right? I mean, the the team that if I was a fan of, I would probably be totally apoplectic uh, over is the White Sox, where you're in your contention window, you don't really have much of a farm system left, and you seem to have just basically punted um, a season that is probably one of your best shots to yeah. win a World Series championship. And he got taken out by Cleveland, man. Like, we're going to talk about Cleveland in a minute, but yikes, yeah. ouch. And the yeah. Twins. Did the White Sox finish second or third? The they, Twins might they, have collapsed a little bit down the stretch. I don't have it. Yeah, I believe they did. I'm looking at the standings right here, right now. So, yeah, the Twins did collapse. The White Sox ended up 81 and 81. The Twins only won 78 games and lost 84. But if you look at the wild card standings, the White Sox ended up behind the Orioles. And they've got a good, fun, young team. You know, you could maybe consider them the pirates of the AL at this point, except for like a couple of years ahead. And um, but to come b- behind the the surging Baltimore Orioles, you're right there with the Boston Red Sox, who weren't even close in the standings in the in the. Um, well, actually, maybe they didn't do too bad in the end. What was the final? Yeah, the, the Red, Red Sox, Sox were an absolutely oh, infuriating they came in last team place. Yeah. yeah. Here's the thing. Well, they, they the Red Sox had moments place. where they looked like they might be competitive, and then they would just like promptly give all of those moments away. Well, 
the Cubs looked competitive parts of this year, and they and the Red Sox won four more games than the Cubs in a much tougher division. So they are a tougher team, like no doubt. We got to play the entire AL East next year. So I mean, I think all the wild cards. I mean, all the wild cards almost came from Seattle. Kind of squeaked in at the end. Baltimore kind of faded. You know, uh, Seattle had a, a great end of their season, and Baltimore didn't, and that was that was the end of it. A couple Before teams we fighting. Before we talk about the playoffs, though, and the teams who who will be fighting it out for the rest of October, I do want to make sure that we we hit on a couple of high notes and low notes from this season with the Cubs. And, you know, Danny, I'll just kick it off. My, my absolute favorite unexpected thing that happened for the Cubs this year has to be the emergence of Christopher Morrell. I think he is a shining star in the Cubs system who, frankly, I, I wasn't looking for this season. I wasn't looking for him to do anything impactful this season. And and he not only came up and just was, was an absolute joy to watch, watching him introduce himself literally to the entire league was amazing. Watching him hit bombs was amazing. Watching him take deep breaths because Wilson Contreras told him to take a deep breath before big moments was outstanding. Everything about Christopher Morrell was fun and interesting. And I think that he is the type of guy that the Cubs can find a spot for next season. And, and he'll, he, plays lots of different positions. He plays center field. He plays shortstop. He plays second base. He plays third base. And he does it while hitting bombs, stealing bases, and introducing himself to everybody. And and I'm very happy Christopher Morrell came up this season. Yeah, it he had a, a higher OPS uh, than Nico Horner by four points. Uh, and Nico ended up hitting 281. So those bombs really did make a huge difference, uh, hitting 16 on the year. For a rookie, that's pretty good. Um, and I, but I think it a lot of it was just, just what you said is just him as a personality and kind of what he brings to this team as far as vibes go. Um, I mean, you, you, these guys spend a lot of time with each other 162 games before the game, after the game, on the plane, in the bus, like all at dinner, like all the time they spend together. Christopher Morel is I think a good person to have in that situation. Like you want a guy like him around. And um, so I, I really, I, I've got a lot of hope for him. You know, I'm so scared he becomes junior Lake. I really am, you know, that he just kind of falls off uh, the face of the earth after a year or two. But um, the athleticism, I think will bring it, keep him in the league. He's got the defense. He's got that arm. Totally agree with you. Um, I'll add to that uh, about something else that was a positive of this year. Some of the emergent arms from our own system, which I can't even believe I'm saying because it's been so long since the Cubs have developed any pitching at all that if you look at Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele, even Javier Assad. Um, and then you look back down where we were all excited by Caleb Killian, although that didn't work out, out at the major league level yet. But, um, you know, some of this fun starting pitching, you know, that you could maybe even start to rely on um, on the back, well, at the back end of the rotation, but especially who looks like a real stud, didn't get a lot of chances this year, but when he did, he looked awesome. Hayden Wisniewski. And, like, I couldn't be more thrilled. I mean, I just just said five pitchers' names from our (laughs) system. Can you believe it? Well, technically, Hayden Wisniewski was a gift from the Yankees in return for Scott well, Efros. But but I do think it's no. interesting. I do agree with you. The pitching and the pitch lab has been incredible. 
Um, Justin Steele, man, absolute nails. I I don't know how I would have ranked the Cubs starters and their back end of their rotation the first day of the season. Like if I would have put Keegan Thompson ahead of Justin Steele or vice versa. But at this moment in time, I would put Justin Steele ahead of Keegan Thompson for sure. And I think that, and that's no shade to Keegan Thompson. Keegan Thompson also had a great year. Um, it's more that Steele just really took a step forward this year in terms of striking guys out, in terms of changing up the way he approached batters. And he looks like he's going to just keep doing it. Like he just kind of looked like he he unlocked another level and he's like, oh, I want more more of this. I would like to be more dangerous and, and more incredible. And I he's got a little bit of John Lester in him and I love me some John Lester. So uh, very happy about that. I do think it's interesting how Caleb Killian, uh, the Caleb Killian buzz t- turned into Hayden Wisniewski buzz and it's, <laughs> it's kind of the way things go. It's, it'll be interesting to see what uh, Killian brings to the table next season, but Hayden Wisniewski, man, I'm, I'm here for it. He's great. Well, all these guys, they develop in their own ways and sometimes they develop to a point where they'll have a few good years and then fall off a cliff because they can't adjust or an injury brings them down. You just kind of got to, you know, you hear it all the time from managers uh, play the hot hand and stuff. All of the, the stats and the data you get on these guys, it's past That's stuff that already happened. So when you're looking towards the future, I think you really have to manage these people as people. You know, I think that there's a, a world in which somebody like, uh, you know, Javier Assad works on some of his secondary pitches a little bit more and becomes because uh, just the eyeball test on it didn't look like this situation was too big for even him. Um, and and I think a couple of weeks ago when we played the Mets, I was tuning into the Mets broadcast. Ron Darling was gushing about Javier Assad. And I'm like, really? Like our announcers don't even gush about our guys like the Mets guys do. And um, so, yeah, I'm just excited about the whole thing. I mean, you got even out of the pen, Jeremiah Estrada. Like we haven't seen that kind of velocity out of our, well, unless you want to count Dylan Maples, which I mean, he threw fast and that was an interesting pitch that he had pitches Man, Dylan Maples, I used to, I used to sit on, yes, I am this girl. I used to sit on StatCast and like just sort spin rates on uh, pitches. And there was Dylan Maples at the top of that curveball list and you could, and on the top of that slider list. And I was like, oh man, if only, if only he could get it together. And, and no, no, no. Um, But, you know, it is. I don't know. I think that I'd rather have the Cubs have five or six potential back of the rotation type of guys than one. Oh, if he can only throw strikes. Oh yeah. No, you don't want to just be out there praying. <laughs> you know, that's, that's rough. But, uh, I, but if you have all these guys, depending on how they put it together, I think we're all kind of thinking a piggyback situation. They, at the end of this year, they use Thompson out of the pen, which actually goes pretty good. And then um, if you get, I don't even, it doesn't even have to be a top, top, top line guy because there's, they don't really exist in this free agent class. Um, unless you want to consider Rodon, uh, his opt out possibility from the Giants, a top line guy. Maybe he had a great year, but, you know, all these guys come with a little bit of uh, trepidation in that they're not going to remain healthy. So, um, 
So even if you get a middling guy, who is the guy that would got brought up by Cody Delmendo last night in the Ranters? Um, I'm drawing a blank. I, I have it here. I'm, I'm going to pull it out, but he, um, but it, but it was more of like a middling prospect, not prospect middling arm where you could kind of con- count on them at like a third ish starter just for the depth of it. Because if you've got enough arms to use in addition to that, you are just providing yourself depth at that point, you know? So I, I, I could see that as much as I would like them to go get their, our version of the John Lester, you know, like the 2015 signing of John, um, you know, I don't think that exists right now, unless you go with that. Um, uh, what's his name? Kodai Senga. Yeah. Senga is intriguing to me. I, I agree with you though. I don't think there's a Lester type out there who, the Cubs could go sign. The thing that always made Lester so intriguing is that, you know, kind of like Max Scherzer, he, he never really got injured all that frequently. Like it, it was, it was like you were, you were getting not just a top of the rotation arm, not just an ace who you could throw in like game one of a series, but you were getting like 220 innings of somebody who was going to just be nails for you. And now it seems like all the guys who are aces are also the guys who get hurt. Um, it's, you know, like the DeGrom scenario or the Rodon scenario where it's like, eh, yeah, this guy might give you 115 innings, but he's probably also going to get hurt at some point and he might give you nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're just really taking that chance there. And then, you know, if you think about how disappointing uh, the, I mean, you Darvish has been great at this point, but when we had him at first, you remember it was the injury problem and then he had kind of lost it and like nobody knew what was going on. And, like I, people are blaming the Cubs medical staff for that possibly of just like, you know, not, um, you know, I, I, it's hard to know what happened there ultimately, but I will say that it's like, I can draw a comparison to it at in, in the way that you don't want a situation where you just like, okay, this guy's our ace. He's going to be good. And you get like somebody like Rodon and then you just like never see him or you only see him like third of the year and then that year is punted again i'd rather somebody that could maybe fit in with this group of guys you know i yeah oh i know i know who he said um sean Manaya. oh yeah Sean. i i like Manaya. i don't know that i don't know. yeah i like Manaya. we're gonna talk about Manaya a little bit when we talk about the padres in the postseason um yeah Manaya is intriguing to me I think I like Chris Bassett a little more than I like Sean Manaya, but they're very similar sort of like but again they're your look at they're kind of like Stromany they're like 180 innings yeah give you lots of give you a chance to win but they're not flashy they're not a Rodon they're not a DeGrom uh Danny before we go to a break let's uh put the, let's close the book on the Cubs season what's one thing that you really hope they change for next season like what if you get one thing on your cubs christmas wish list what is it base running they've gotta learn to run the bases better that i'm done with the two plans i I feel like the defense was a little cleaned up i don't know if it was just because the different clientele or different players out there but uh, i just i can't i hope that somebody looks at the contact play specifically the third to home, like automatically run just, Oh, I'm on third balls hit. I'm running. Like, is there any way that we could like figure that out and just not run into as many outs on the base paths next year? That'd be great. That's it. 
Yeah, base running is near the top of my wish list too. I I think everybody who is listening to the show probably expects me to ask for the Cubs to ex- to extend slash sign something Wilson Contreras. I have sort of given up on that one, and so I'm I'm going to go a slightly different route. I I would like to see this Chicago Cubs team add one power bat to their lineup. I think that we were talking about this yesterday on the Ranter Roundtable. I think that one of the most unexpected consequences of the Cubs parting ways with Wilson Contreras is that it's going to hurt them more than it would hurt other teams. Like Wilson has been the best power threat in that lineup outside of Patrick wisdom. He's been like the top three or four guys who could, who could hit a bomb or a double for you for a really long time. And that's not true for most of these other teams that don't get any offensive juice from their catcher. Like, If you lose 20 plus home runs from your catcher spot, you better hope you have a first baseman that can rake. Because right now the Cubs do not have a first baseman that can rake. And they're they're certainly not going to find a catcher who hits better than Wilson Contreras. So it's one of these situations where I hope that whatever shopping they're doing on the free agent market this season, whatever they're looking at, that they are prioritizing some power. They are prioritizing some guys who will make up for the runs that they seem to believe that they can, they can let walk. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, they can't let him walk. I mean, first of all, let's just say that we don't want them to let Contreras walk. Um, Second of all, like if you do let him walk, you better be making up for that with a Correa, a, and even him, they have the same amount of home runs, Correa and Wilson or uh, Trey Turner will give you a, I think 20 bombs, something like that too. I mean, you got to do something and you, and you need to upgrade somewhere else too, because um, it's just too valuable because every, yeah, you downgrade, then you need to, if you downgrade from Wilson, now you need two upgrades. Otherwise you're just in 500 team again. That's exactly right. It's like you, you cannot just like add a, add one bat and like part ways with your best hitting catcher in the league. Like now you got to add two bats and you got to add a catcher. So I think, I, I hope, that the Cubs are prioritizing some power as they're looking at some of these things. It sounds like they are vacuuming in the hallway of my building. So that's going to be a lovely sound for our listeners to hear through the rest of this episode. Well, hopefully, I don't hear it. Hopefully uh, I can hear that and other people cannot, but we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors on the flip side. We are going to talk through the first couple of rounds of this playoff bracket, what we are looking for in the wildcard series and what we are hoping for in the divisional series. And, but first a quick break. And we're back. Uh, that'll be some fun with editing there when I try to figure out how to edit out this vacuum sound. Um, if I if I don't do that, listeners, I, I do apologize profusely for the background noise. Um, Danny, the playoffs kick off on Friday. Uh, the We'll have the wild card round. It's the new wild card where it's no longer a single game elimination. It's now a best of three series. And the home team is the higher ranked team throughout the whole thing. What are you looking for in this set of wildcard matchups? Well, I'm looking for the St. Louis Cardinals to lose. Uh, that's for one. Uh, I, I kind of like Cleveland in the fact that, uh, you know, just big long drought. I think that we can all empathize with that over here on the North side of Chicago, uh, considering we did it to Cleveland. They didn't end their drought, but we did. And then, yeah, I, I like your Blue Jays, Seattle. It's a shame that both those teams can't advance because Seattle's got, uh, you know, kind of a, 
you know, they got that team that's kind of like the mix of the young guys and the veterans. And it's kind of how I always imagined that is the right way to do it. You know, if there is a right way to do it, that you just, you have to have kind of your, you you need a diversity with your lineup. Let's talk about this uh, Mariners Blue Jays series first. I'm going to save the Cardinals bashing for, for the end. I mean, obviously, okay. I agree with you. We would like the Phillies to beat the Cardinals. Like, this is Cubs podcast. We want the Cardinals to lose, period, end stop, all the time. I am praying that something happens other than a Cardinals-Yankees World Series because I may just be forced to turn that off and read a book or something because I just can't handle it. But, um, no, the, the I agree with you. This Mariners Blue Jays uh, matchup is the hardest one for me to reconcile because I really like both of these teams as listeners know, I have adopted the blue Jays as my playoffs team playoff team after Alec Manoa doing wonderful things to stick up for his teammate and just being cool and just being an amazing guy. I also then watched a bunch of blue Jays games and frankly, they're fun. They rake. I mean, Vladito hits bombs. Boba hits bombs. He was the best player in September. It was not close. He steals bases. He's fun to watch. Like I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of their pitching Alec Manoa. Is great. Matt Chapman is the most underrated third baseman in baseball, in my opinion. I don't know why he doesn't get the same amount of airtime that Nolan Arenado does. He totally should. He's incredible. And I love watching him. And he's super fun. And the Blue Jays, of course, have to face off against this Mariners team that I like a lot. The Mariners extended Julio Rodriguez. They did the thing that I wish the Cubs would do with their young talent. And the Julio Rodriguez contract, as we've discussed on this show, is probably my favorite contract that has ever been agreed to for an extension. I mean, it's got life altering money for Rodriguez and his family guaranteed. And then it's got a ton of escalators in it. If he does the things that people believe he can do in terms of being the MVP and this, that, and the other thing. And if he does those things, he's going to be the highest paid player in baseball history. And he should be if he does those things, but there's, it's hard to tell if he'll do those things when he's so young and so inexperienced. In the league, they went out and they traded for the guys. They got the pitcher, like like we said, they traded for all of the Reds, like <laughs> for mm-hmm. all of the Reds, and they added them to that Mariners team. And the Mariners are in the playoffs for the first time since 2001. I will honestly be happy no matter who wins here, but I really I gotta stick with my Blue Jays. Yeah, they're the more fun team, and they're a little bit further along, I think, than the Mariners. The Mariners kind of remind me a little bit of like an old Rays. <laughs> like, I don't know. It, it's a weird thing to say, but just in, in the fact that like the Rays, when they make the playoffs pretty much every year, somehow uh, they always have a, a bunch of guys. I didn't really heard a, hear of. And then a bunch of guys that I'm like, Oh, he's on that team. Oh, he's there. You know, that's like how the Mariners are. Uh, the other person we left out was Adam Frazier is also, okay. uh, and Carlos Santana. Um, on on the Mariners as well. Um, well, that doesn't tie break anything for me at all. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying, like, just just to bring it like further into like you know, just old you know guys. Yeah, the mix that, that of old and young guys. Of, yeah, <laughs> woo, Carlos Santana. <laughs> yeah, I'm root for him. No, uh, no, but I mean Adam Frazier as well. You know, he was uh, was he on the Reds or the Pirates? He was on the Pirates. He went from okay. the Pirates to the Padres to the Mariners. Yeah. Um, but yeah, still like some NL Central, some NL Central crossover love there for sure. I think that that Blue Jays Mariners series is the series I am most interested in. And I really like both of the teams and I'm very invested uh, in seeing what happens in those games. Let's talk about a slightly different matchup that's coming in these wild card games. I am calling this the Jed Hoyer aspirational bracket. And that is the Guardians and the Rays. 
where you have two bottom five in the league payrolls facing off because they both just are so good at eking out those wins above replacement from guys who are making the league minimum. Danny, who would you like to win between the Guardians and the Rays? Well, yeah, the Guardians, just because of the drought. That's the only reason. Yeah, same. That's the only reason for me, too. It's like, I kind of hate that they traded Francisco Lindor and replaced him with Andres Jimenez. And I really like Andres Jimenez, but he put up a 6-F war season to make while he's making the league minimum. And the Guardians were very clearly like, yeah, we just can't afford to pay Francisco Lindor, so he's got to go somewhere that can pay him. And I just don't like that being rewarded. I do like Tito Francona, though. I like I like Terry Francona. Tito's great. Yeah. And then, and that's, that's, oh, then the Mets and Padres. I, 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 I know you're more Padres. I kind of rooted for the Mets back in the day when I was in New York, but it's hard to root for the Mets. It's just, you know, it's just hard to root for them. They, they make it hard to, they make themselves a hard team to root for, but I really do like their broadcasters. They have a top notch uh, TV television broadcast team. So. Yeah. The Mets broadcast is good. I, I don't dislike the Mets. I have a lot of friends who are Mets fans. Um, I'm close with the ladies of a pot of their own, which is one of the amazing Avenue podcasts. Check it out. If you're looking for Mets coverage this postseason. I think they do some really good work. I like it when they're happy um, and, and they're fun baseball people to watch a game with or to listen to talk about baseball or just to hang out with on Twitter and, and during a game and see what's going on. The problem for me with the Mets is that the Mets are whiny. In ways that I just cannot, every time I'm about to be like, yes, I will cheer for the Mets. They get all aggravated about like William Contreras walking out to the same music that their closer uses and they make a federal case out of it. And I just, I cannot, or they get all like, no, the Yankees have everything and we don't have anything. Or, or like, I don't know. Here's a good example. Like the Mets employ two of the best starting pitchers on the planet and they're about to start a three game wild card series where all they need to do is win two games they're going to throw Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom at the San Diego Padres who have not been able to win baseball games despite doing everything that I want baseball teams to do and if you go on Mets Twitter right now they think that Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom are like broken because they had a couple of down starts at the end of the season and lost the division and it's all doom and gloom and everything's terrible and you would have no idea that that is not only the top payroll in baseball, but like the top payroll in baseball by a lot. I was just putting this together for a playoff preview that I was writing over at BCB. The Mets payroll is almost $50 million more this year than the Padres. Yeah. That's the gap between one and five. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's that's, and you've been saying this on this show is that there's just elite teams and then a bunch of also rands. And if, I mean, I, I like as much as I want all the owners to spend all their money, they're not gonna. So, I mean, I think everybody should be spending a lot of money, but also spending money doesn't necessarily make the players do any better. You just, you can get the most amount of talent, but if you've got all, if you had all 30 teams throwing $200 million around, that doesn't make the MLB caliber, the, you know, the talent pool any better. You just are driving up the price on the few elite players that will make you better. You know what I mean? Right. It's not just enough to be like, here's a million dollars. Go pitch better. <laughs> you know, that's not going to work. Um, if it did, they, they'd do it. But um, 
I mean, it's going to be, if you look up and down this whole, you know, you got the repeating Braves, you got some, the old, the Dodgers are always there uh, spending money. The Yankees, they're up there. They're spending money, but they're not spending the most in the league. Like uh, it's, I think it's Mets and Dodgers are at one, two, and then it goes down from there. Yeah. Well, before we get to the player, the teams that we'll see in the divisional series, let's get to this last matchup, which is the one that all Cubs fans know exactly what we're supposed to do here. And that's the Phillies and the Cardinals. And look, Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos need to need to take their bats and swing some bombs and just hit the Cardinals out of the playoffs, please. <laughs> like I, I'm so over the Albert Pujols retirement tour. I'm so over the Yachty retirement tour. Adam Wainwright should not be pitching meaningful baseball right now. He's Adam Wainwright, like 41, 42 years old. I don't know. He's old. Like he's, this is, this is ridiculous. Still I'm over it. Please, for the love of God, Phillies, I am begging you to beat the Cardinals. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm looking at it here right now. uh, Just to clarify, the Yankees are 10 million under the Dodgers. And then the Phillies are 10 million under that. And then the Padres are 10 million under that actually almost 20 million. So, yeah. So if if you look at the Cardinals, they're, they're higher than the Cubs. They're right. uh, And they're under the blue Jays. They're under all those teams. As far as playoff teams go, they're pretty middling as far as the money they spend, but they get all that, you know, the compensatory small market picks. Now, how does a small market team, like the Cardinals, where, you know, St. Louis is a city of a million people. How do they manage to sell out every single game anyway? Even though we know that's not true. They just have red chairs. But, um, you know, how do they call everything a sellout and still cry poor? I don't get it. Dude, I don't know. Like, Cardinals, like, the funny... God love Cardinals fans. I think there are a couple Cardinals fans who listen to this podcast and when I was talking about my cheering interests uh, on Twitter. A few of them were like, but can't you cheer for the Cardinals now? NL Central Solidarity. And I was like, no. <laughs> don't. The car- In the hierarchy of teams I hate, the Cardinals are up there only with USC football as a team I hate almost as much <laughs> as the St. Louis Cardinals. They're up there with BYU. Like, this is like drop a meteor on the stadium and destroy it territory for me. I... The Cardinals, I, I can't have the Cardinals win this wild card series. I don't want the Cardinals anywhere near winning for the rest of time. They've had enough winning. I'm over it. And I would like to see Kyle Schwarber do to the Cardinals uh, this weekend what he did to them in 2015. Yeah. Seven years ago. Can you believe it's been that long? It's been so long. We miss yeah. you, Kyle. We miss yeah. you when you're 46 home runs, Kyle Schwarber. Oh, that would have made a – now, that that in this, in this division – that might have made it made a difference. Indeed. Yeah. I mean, you got to figure, though, he'd be playing left field, so you'd have to move Hap to center, which that causes a whole bunch of other cascading issues. But, yes, it, it, it probably would have made a difference. Might have put the Cubs, I don't know, closer to 78, 79 wins. Um, but, yeah, that's one of those, one of those <laughs> things. The Divisional Series uh, will kick off after the Wild Card Series are – are figured out and that's where we'll get the Yankees and the Astros uh the Braves and the Dodgers into this foray and let me just tell you of all of these teams the team I would not want to face right now is Atlanta the Atlanta has this knack for just kind of hanging around hanging around hanging around get red hot right before the playoffs and roll 
And the red hot right before the playoffs is way more dangerous than whatever has been going on in Houston, New York, and LA right now. Like three days ago, Atlanta thought they were going to play in one of these wild card yeah. series. Now they get a bye. And now they get a bye. I just yeah. think that Braves team is dangerous. They ended up tying with uh, the Mets, both going 101 and 61, but they won the season series. So that's it. So, and I mean, and the Mets, they pinched themselves. They totally pinched themselves. They had, uh, they, they needed basically, you know, one win if in a series and they could have at least held pace and they got swept by Atlanta in the last week of the season. So, you know, that's on you Mets. You know, they go five and five. They kind of limp in, limp in 101 wins limping. So, <laughs> but still it's not the strongest uh, showing right now. Uh, I don't know who the hottest team is right now. Looking up and down it Cubs were eight and two in their last 10. And that is number one in the majors. So <laughs> hottest team in baseball, your Chicago Cubs. Ex- exactly. Um, so what are you going to do? Um, yeah. A lot of seven and threes, things like that. So winning records for sure. But yeah. Um, Yankees five and five to go in. I mean, they had such a hot start. Everybody thought that they were gonna just, you know, have the 111 wins the Dodgers ended up having, but instead 99 wins didn't hit the hundred mark. Um, so, but they get the buy. Yeah. I think of those divisional teams, if I have to rank order them, I would like Atlanta to win. Although of course, if it's like an Atlanta Phillies matchup, then I gotta, I gotta be cheering for Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. over over the Braves um but I, I'd like Atlanta to to be, be victorious if they are facing off against the Cardinals I would like the Padres to beat the Dodgers I'd like just somebody to beat the Dodgers beat I think I would Dodgers, probably yeah. cheer for the Mets against the Dodgers not because I hate the Dodgers but just because god can the Dodgers lose I'd, I'd like the Dodgers not to be in a championship series just once just once for the last like decade or so yeah um and then on the other side, I, I mean, I got to go with the the Blue Jays and the um, Blue Jays or the Mariners over the Astros. I mean, come on now. And I'd probably go for Cleveland or Tampa Bay over the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees are my second least favorite team in baseball. And yes, yeah. that's true. Despite Anthony Rizzo, people like Anthony Rizzo does not change decades of Yankees hate. Yeah. Although... You know, Rizzo's having a good time over there. He has not he has an opt-out, by the way. Just, just he does, yeah. He does have an opt-out. And if, if he were to use said opt-out, um, I would not hate the idea of the Cubs reuniting with the guy they never should have traded in the first place. But I actually, Danny, I don't think he's going to opt-out. No, I don't think so either. He's he seems pretty happy in there. New York. Yeah. He's having a great time. They love him. He's getting to try on the managerial hat. He's like the... Might as well be the king, you know, give him the key to the city. Like, he's like the mayor of New York over there. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, it just kind of goes to show you that, you know, that they can change. They can change their uniforms pretty easily. You know, I think there's some players that maybe can't, but Anthony Rizzo was like a pee in a pot over there. So it's well, very disappointing. It's a, I think it's a lesson to this Cubs front office to be, you know, be careful about the unintended consequences of trades and deadline moves. I think that it, it sort of reminds me a little bit of what happened with Lester and 
the Red Sox traded Lester to Oakland for like half a year, but everybody mm-hmm. in Boston thought, oh, he'll come back though because he's Lester and da da da. And then we'll have the prospects and we'll also have Lester and it'll be great. And Theo and Jed swooped in and signed Lester because you know what Lester saw? He saw, well, they don't really appreciate don't me really that care. much. I'm just yep. going to see where what else I can do here. And he came to Chicago and I. I very much feel like Anthony had the same sort of situation where I was like, oh, well, you're going to trade me. Then I guess I'll just see what else is there. And it turns out that Anthony Rizzo is a darn good fit in New York and, and the Yankees love him. And I don't know that I'll ever forgive Jed Hoyer for that, frankly. Yep. Damn shame. Indeed. Uh, let's end on something that's not a damn shame. Danny, tell us, no, this is not like projections time. This is not like who you think is going to be there. What is your ideal World Series. I mean, there isn't one. I mean, I'm just a Cubs fan. So, like, I really don't care about any of these other teams, like, deep down. I think about some of the players that I wouldn't mind seeing celebrated and and celebrating. And we already mentioned who they are. They're all ex-Cubs. And then there's my friend Gary, who likes the Cleveland Guardians. Like, he's a Cleveland fan. So, I kind of am just like, well, I would like for him to do his dance someday, but all the other teams can go to hell as far as I'm concerned. I mean, really, I don't want any, if it's not the Cubs, I don't care. I'll watch. And I, and, and sometimes my rooting interest, it becomes evident as I watch the ball game. So you like change throughout the game. You're like, "Ah, I was cheering for the Padres, but now I want the Mets to win. I have. No, I've tried. I've tried to go like I've, I've been to a Yankees playoff game. And I was like, you know what? I live by Yankee Stadium. I've been living in New York like well over a decade now. Let's just root, root for the root for the home team. Yankees versus Tigers. This was years ago. And I'm in this game and like the Yankees are killing the Tigers, just killing them. And uh, in the playoffs. And, you know, I just started being like, you know what? Screw the Yankees. Damn, I, I really do hate the Yankees. And I just started turning around. And all of a sudden, and I was with my friend Brian, who's a Pirates fan of all things. And um, and he was, same attitude. Let's root for the Yankees. And we, neither one of us could do it. Impossible. So as much <laughs> as I say I am for this or for that, the only thing I'm really doing is hate watching the Cardinals games. And <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Everybody else, I don't care. Definitely hate watching those Cardinals games. I- a Phillies Blue Jays World Series I think it would be a lot of fun I think there would be a lot of home runs I also really liked watching the Phillies and the Blue Jays play each other this season they had an 18 to 11 game that was just wild it was like every time you thought the game was over because one team had like a five run lead the other team would come crawling back with a grand slam or there'd be a ridiculous air or wild throw because let's be honest the Phillies don't play very good defense but they have good pitching and so it's kind of this weird situation for them and it was just a fun game it was one of those games where I was like I cannot believe what is happening on my screen right now and that this is called baseball it's like bash ball right it's just like this bash ball type of type of game that we we hardly ever get to see it's it's not really a type of baseball that the cubs have really played that much of in terms of just mash 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 Mm -hmm. air mash air mash it was so fun and i really would love a phillies blue jays world series i think it would be phenomenally fun i would get to cheer for kyle schwarber i would get to cheer for vladito i would get to cheer for boba shed i would get to cheer for nick castellanos if there is a phillies Blue Jays World Series, you know we will be talking about it here on Cup of Cubby Blue Jays, which is what we will be known as for the rest of the playoffs. Danny, where can people find you and your Blue Jays, Phillies, or hate the Cardinals takes? Well, uh, I mean, 
Sunranto at Sunranto at on Twitter. I don't know how much I'm going to be live tweeting these games per usual, like I do the Cubs games, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll be in and out of, of my fandom, uh, at least looking for, for <laughs> nuggets of things that crack me up at the very least. So <laughs> there will be a lot of things that crack us up over the course of the postseason. It's going to be a heck of a ride and we will have it covered here on cup of cubby blue Jays people. Uh, you can find me and my baseball takes at at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find everything we talk about on the show and references to it at the podcast account at cup of cubby blue. We're not going to change that handle for a month. It's just going to still be at cup of cubby blue. We'll just add the Jays in the name there so that everybody knows we're a blue Jays podcast. Now, uh, if the Phillies and Kyle Schwarber and Nick Cassianos are victorious against the hated Cardinals, we will have that for you here next time. Um, until then. <laughs>